the splendor of the King. Clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, and trembles at his voice. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and I will see how great, how great is our There we go. Amen and good morning. Okay, now we've got it. It is one of those mornings. Those mornings happen sometimes, and this is one of those mornings where everything's glitching on us a little bit. But no matter what, welcome, friends. I am so glad that you are here. I am so glad that we have our friends streaming with us online. And I am just so thankful that in whatever way we can gather together as a community. Now, we realize that those of you who are watching online are only seeing the back of all of your friends' heads. And you might want to be able to see who's here, maybe get a nice little wave. So those of you guys who are here in the sanctuary, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Will you all just kind of turn around and wave at that camera in the back of the sanctuary? <laughs> so to all of our friends online, good morning and welcome. To all of you here in the sanctuary, good morning and welcome. So we have a few announcements before we get started. To start with our announcements, we need to know that after this service is over, all of you who are staying for the annual meeting, I'm going to ask that you stay put in your seats. I don't want you, you can stand up and stretch, but I don't want you moving to different seats because we don't want to mix the air everywhere. But stay put in your seats and we will have our annual meeting here in the sanctuary and via Zoom, which means we're going to have our Zoomed people up on the screen and then we're going to have us here in the sanctuary and somehow, by the grace of God, it's going to work out. How exactly? I don't know. But by the grace of God, it's going to work because it always does. So that is our plan. If you are worshiping with us online, the Zoom link has been emailed out. You're going to want to click on that Zoom link to join with us in worship. I am going to ask that everybody, once you are on the Zoom meeting, that you mute yourself so we don't have a bazillion people talking at once. And now, friends, next week we have two services, one at 9 o'clock, traditional, one at 10.30, contemporary, switched around for these next two weeks from normal. So if you would like to worship with us in person for Palm Sunday and Easter, make sure that you go online and you check in because we really want to try to make sure that we only have 75 people per service so that we don't have one service that has too many people. We can spread people out. So make sure that you do that. Choose which service you are going to attend. And with all of that said, friends, let us begin in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, even when the world is chaos, even when all of this technology is chaos, you are peace. Even when everything is chaos, you are the calm and the peace. And so we turn to you this morning. We ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless us with your spirit. Bless us with your power while we are here in this place. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, and trembles at his voice. How great is our God, 
sing with me how great is our God. And I will see how great, how great is our God. Age to age he stands, and time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The God at three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and I will see how great, how great is our God. The name above all names, worthy of all praise, my heart will sing how great. Please be seated. And now, as we gather our hearts and our minds together, we light our peace candle. And now, of course, we light our peace candle where, again, there's more murder, there's more hatred and violence and so much malice in this world that we again come to worship on a Sunday where there's been more murder, more heartless murder. Friends, I want you to know that the reason why we light our peace candle every week, it started when, when all of this happened. I don't know when it started. It started at some, some shooting, some time where we decided that we, need to, we needed to take time to pray for peace. So whether you are here in the sanctuary or online, I want us all to have this imagery. When we enter into the sanctuary, whether it's in our home or whether it's here, when we enter into the sanctuary, our goal needs to be to leave any hatred at the door. Any hatred that's in our heart, any negativity, any malice, anything, any hatred that we have inside of us, when we walk into this place or when we sit in front of our computer screen for worship, let's leave everything, every hatred at the door. And then when we light this peace candle and this flame begins to, to light, let's let that flame, that light of God into our heart. And then here's the challenge, friends. When we leave this place, don't pick up any of the hatred that you left at the door. When we leave this place, don't go pick up that hatred again, but keep the light of Christ, the light of love, the light of peace, the light that we're lighting right now. Take this light with you and keep it in your heart as you go into this world. That is what I want you to have as this imagery in your mind when we light this candle for peace. So let us light this candle and let us pray. Holy and loving God, there's hatred in this world. There's violence in this world. But Lord, you teach us a better way. You teach us love and you teach us peace. Fill us with your peace. Fill us with your love and your compassion. Fill us with your peace and your light so when we leave this place, we can spread your light to all whom we meet. May this be possible because your peace and your love are so strong and may your peace and your love live within us as we go out into this world. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.
please join me in the call to worship. So when I say in this season of Lent, your response is going to be, we worship. When the world is no longer a paradise and creation shows its full power over us still, and we are brought down to size on this small planet of ours, in this season of Lent, when the memories linger of the past and war shapes us beyond our knowing, and conflict becomes a story of life, in this season of Lent, when the way is more barren than beautiful, when the path is more a climb than a stroll, when the desert expands and the horizon stretches, in this season of Lent, because we can in this season of Lent, because we hope in this season of Lent, because we know our vulnerability in this season of Lent, when things shift and we need to hold on in this season of Lent, it is the only strength we have for the journey in this season of Lent. Hey, Bernie, and hey, kids. Charlie, I found this book that the kids were reading the other day, and I really liked it. I liked it so much that I decided not to chew on it, but to ask you to read it to me instead. Oh, this is a book about a man named Patrick. He is known most as St. Patrick. Yeah, there are some really interesting stories in here. But can you read to me the page about the shamrock? I really like that page, and I think the kids will like it too. Of course, Bernie. <clears throat> kids, this is the story about St. Patrick and the shamrock. When St. Patrick was preaching about the Holy Trinity, the people could not understand that there was one God in three divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Patrick looked down, and growing at his feet was a shamrock. He picked it up and held it, showing that there was one stem but three leaves. The people understood the Holy Trinity at once. Oh, wow, that is so cool. So God, the Creator, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all the same. They're all God, but they're also different, just like a shamrock. Three parts of the same leaf. Exactly. When we know Jesus, we know God. When we feel the power of the Holy Spirit, we feel the power of God. Wow, that's amazing. Hey, we could read that other story about the man who turns into the fox now. That's a really funny story. I think it would be funny if a mean man was turned into a fox and we could chase him. <laughs> we probably don't have time to read that right now, Bernie. And that is more a legend anyways than it is a real story. We just want the kids to learn the important lesson of the shamrock. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all three parts of the same God, just like a shamrock has three parts of the same leaf. And God is with us all the time. Absolutely, Bernie. God is with us all the time. Bye, kids. Have a blessed day. Lord, wonderful Savior, I know for sure, all of my days are held in your hand, crafted into your perfect plan. You gently call me in 
into your presence, guiding me by your Holy Spirit. Teach me, dear Lord, to live all of my life through your eyes. I'm captured by your holy calling. Set me apart. I know you're drawing me to yourself. Lead me, Lord, I pray. Take me, mold me, use me, fill me. I give my life to the potter's to your perfect plan. You gently call me into your presence, guiding me by your Holy Spirit. Teach me, dear Lord, to live all of my life through your eyes. I'm captured by Lead me, Lord, I pray. Take me, mold me, use me, fill me. I give my life to the potter's Amen. We have two readings this morning. Our first reading is going to come from the Gospel of John, the 12th chapter. We will read verses 20 through 33. If you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. Starting with verse 20. Now among those who went to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew, and then Andrew told Philip, and they went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and it dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life will lose it, and those who lose their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my troll is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And then the crowd standing there heard it. And they said that it was thunder. 
Others said, an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake and not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of the world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We have a second reading this morning. We are going to read from Psalm 51, a psalm of King David. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner, when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in my inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all of my iniquities. Cleanse in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit away from me, but restore in me the joy of your salvation, and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing, out, will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
What a beautiful song for us to hear today. A day when I think we all, the whole world, needs to hear that song. Let there be peace on earth. And let it begin with each and every single one of us. And now, friends, join with me in a moment of prayer. Holy and gracious God, pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless us with your spirit and with your power while we are here in this place. Let us take a moment to be in awe of you, Lord, and to worship you in your presence. And Lord, we ask that you bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds, so that all that we do and all that we say can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. So what I really want to focus on out of those two readings that we read today is the second reading, which is actually the first. It's written hundreds of years before the other reading. But I want us to focus on Psalm 51, because Psalm 51 is actually a prayer of forgiveness. It is a prayer of forgiveness that is attributed to King David, and it is supposedly attributed to King David after he did one of the most sinful things that he ever did in his life. After it wasn't just one sinful thing but a whole group of sinful things that made for one huge sinful mess it's supposedly written by king david after he was visited by a prophet named nathan when that prophet came to david and basically said you think that you are a powerful god or you think you are a powerful king but our god is more powerful and you can't hide anything from god and so king david supposedly wrote this psalm after his worst period of, let's say, sinfulness. And do you know that the Bible has a lot of interesting stories? And I love those stories, even the not-so-good ones, even the ones where we learn from somebody else's mistakes. I still love those stories because we can learn from them. We can learn even from other people's mistakes. So I want to make sure that you all understand what happened to make this psalm, Psalm 51, come into being what happened to make king david write psalm 51 a psalm where he is basically begging god for forgiveness where he is basically begging god to clean out all of the filth that is inside of him and to put a new and a right spirit within him so do you guys you probably know this story already those of you who are not in bible study does anybody know this story give me a little nod if you know what we're about to talk about those of you in bible study can answer because you guys already went over this i see some hands over here all right yes so we all know so first i'm going to give you even more background king david he was chosen to be king because he was humble he was humble and he was faithful and he was chosen to replace a king who had let power get to his head king saul who had once been anointed by god was replaced by king david because the power had gotten to his head and so King David was a humble and a faithful boy who was chosen and anointed by God because he was humble and because he was faithful. But then here's what happened. King David, he was also a great warrior, but one time he went out and, and he stayed home while all of the other soldiers, they went out to go fight a war. And they went out to fight a war, but King David stayed home in Jerusalem one time, and he started sitting there twiddling his thumbs, and, and he had a lot of idle time, and that's not good for people sometimes to have extra idle time. So he was sitting there twiddling his thumbs, probably bored as can be, because King David was normally a warrior, so for him just to be sitting at home in Jerusalem, he was probably feeling terribly bored. But then one day he goes up, and he goes up onto his rooftop, and he looks down, and he sees a beautiful woman bathing, and he sees this woman bathing by the way she probably did not plan on anyone seeing her bathing i don't think she wanted anybody to see her bathing i don't think she expected the king to start you know being a peeping tom and looking at her while she was bathing so this woman her name was bathsheba and there she was, she was bathing, and, and this shows us that she was following the laws of Moses, because this was her ceremonial washing. This was something that she needed to do in order to be able to step back into society. She's cleansing herself from her unclean time, and she's about to get back into society and interact in, with society again after this ceremonial washing. But then King David, he goes up onto the rooftop, and he's, he's a bit of a peeping Tom, and he sees her. And he's like, I'm king. 
I'm powerful. I'm a king and I am powerful and I can take anything I want. I'm a king and I'm powerful and I see a beautiful woman and I want her and I'm going to take her. Now, of course, I'm adding some words to this, but this is what I imagine that's going through David's head. He sees this beautiful woman and he's king. He's not just king, but he's king over Israel and Judah. He's king over the United Kingdoms of Israel. And he's like, I am the most powerful man. And and I see this woman and, and I want her. And so he sent soldiers to go and get her, even though I think the soldiers were like, um, David, you know, she's a married man. Um, David, do you know that she's married to Uriah, who's out there fighting in the fields with your army? Um, King David, you probably shouldn't do this, but nobody could say no to the king, especially not if he was on a bit of a power trip here. And so he went and he, and he got Bathsheba. The soldiers got her and brought her to David, and, and she had no ability to say no. So this is the sad part about the Bible. We don't know what we're really reading. We often like to look at the story and assume it was consensual, but nobody could say no to a king. And and so this poor woman, she, she gets brought to King David, and there he sleeps with her, and, and she becomes pregnant. And after he sleeps with her, he sends her home. And he thinks, ah, it's good to be king. I can do whatever I want. I am powerful. I can do whatever I want. I think that humble part of David was getting pushed down. He had forgotten his humble roots, and, and he let the power get to his head. And, and he was tempted to do this terrible thing, and he did it. And then Bathsheba went back to her house. And then she found out she was pregnant. She sent note to David and she said, "Uh, David, king, I'm carrying your baby. And everybody will know that it's yours because my husband is out on the battlefield. And at this time, she must have been terrified because here, if she carries a child that's not her husband's, she will be deemed worthless. She will be cast out by society. So she writes to David and David goes, oh, no. Oh, no. So at first he tries to be clever. He wants to cover up his mistakes. He, he's powerful. Remember, he's the king, so he wants to use his power to cover up his mistakes. So he gets Uriah, her husband, to come home, and he gets the husband to come home thinking, okay, well, the husband's going to sleep with her, and then he'll think that this child is his, and I'll be off scot-free. That's what King David is thinking. Only Uriah has integrity. He's like, I can't go inside to the comfort of my own home when all of my fellow soldiers are out there sleeping in a field. I I can't do it. So he stayed outside of his house and he refused to go into the house. He did not interact with his wife at all. He sat out front, outside of his house. King David probably got angry. Why is my plan not working? So King David, I told you this wasn't just one sin, but it was a whole mess of sins. Do you realize people do this? I'm going to take a little step away from the story for a second. Do you realize that people do this? They mess up, and instead of confessing what they did or anything, they try to fix their own problems, and they make things work. I can't talk. They make things worse. It's like a snowball effect where it's like one sin turns into another sin, turns into another sin, and it starts snowballing and snowballing and snowballing all because... People are trying to cover up their mistakes. Well, that's what happened to King David. He's like, well, Uriah isn't doing what I wanted him to do. And so he sends Uriah back out with the soldiers to the front line, to soldiers that that David usually works with. He sends Uriah out into the front lines until Uriah is killed. Everybody is thinking, oh, King David is going to be so upset, but King David wasn't upset. He's like, ah, finally, something went my way. As Uriah is killed. And then he goes and he takes Bathsheba and he he brings her into his house. By the way, King David already had multiple wives at the time, so it's not like he needed another wife, but he went and and he married her. And then he said, okay, well, now I married her. We can have this child. All will be fine. Till the prophet Nathan shows up. And the prophet Nathan comes and says to King David, Uh, King David, I have a story to tell you. And King David is like, oh, okay, sure. Prophet Nathan, tell me your story. And and the prophet Nathan tells David that there are two men. There's a wealthy man and there's a poor man. The wealthy man has all sorts of animals, so many animals. And then the poor man just has one little sheep, just one precious sheep. And he didn't eat that sheep. No, he kept that sheep and he loved that sheep. And he raised that sheep like it was his daughter. He loved that sheep. That sheep was like a child of his. So you have a wealthy man with all of these animals and a poor man with just one little sheep who he loved as if it was one 
one of his daughters. And then one day the wealthy man decided that he was going to throw a feast. But instead of taking one of his many animals, he went to the poor man's house and he took that sheep and he slaughtered that sheep and he killed that sheep and he fed it to his guest. When David heard this story, he was outraged said, I'm going to go get that man. That man needs to pay this price. That wealthy man did a sinful thing. And the prophet David looks, or the prophet Nathan looks at David and says, David, you are the wealthy man. You are the wealthy man. That parable was to teach you that you are the wealthy man. You are the one who is taking what is not yours. You are the one who has blood on your hands. And the prophet Nathan says, David, you think that you're powerful, but God is more powerful. You think that you are are so mighty, but God is even more mighty. You think that you can cover up your sins, but God sees your sins. And there is no hiding from God. I love this story. We actually talked about at Bible study how I think every person in power should have to do a Bible study on this. Don't you think? Every person in power should have to do a Bible study on this. Oh, you think you're so powerful? You know who's more powerful? God is more powerful. Oh, you think you can cover up all the wrong things you did? Oh, you know who knows? God knows. Oh, you think that you can can hurt other people around you? You know who's watching? God is watching. I think all people in power should have to do some sort of Bible study on this. That's my thought. So if you ever find me appointed in some kind of position with people of power somehow, if anybody ever needs a pastor as a person of power, this would be my go-to Bible study. I'd say, okay, before we begin, this is what we're doing. We are going to study this text. I love this story. It's heartbreaking. There is trauma in this story. There is so much sin and snowballs of sin in this story. Yet I love it because we can learn a valuable lesson. No matter how powerful we think we are, our God is more powerful. No matter what we think about other people, if we think we can use and abuse other people around us, God loves those other people who we want to use and abuse. But here's the good thing. When David did hear from the prophet Nathan, he realized what he had done wrong. I think he realized that he had, he had become overwhelmed by this power. And I think that that humble beginning within him, it started to cry out. And so he wrote this psalm, this psalm, which is a psalm that's really a prayer of forgiveness. He wrote this psalm and he said to God, God, create in me a clean heart. Put a new and right spirit within me. I love this line. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Friends, isn't that beautiful? So now what I want us to think about right now is the reality that hopefully we're not going to go sinning quite as bad as King David. (laughs) I mean, if you, if you have, it's okay, I'll hear those sins anyways. But we're all going to mess up. All of us are going to mess up. Jesus looked at a crowd and said, Let he who is without sin be the first to cast a stone. All of us are going to sin. All of us are going to make mistakes. All of us are going to mess up. Do me a favor and raise your hand if you've never made a mistake before. We could go out to the Sunday school kids and we could ask them and their hands wouldn't even be up. Maybe Walter if he was in a funny mood, but I promise he's made some mistakes that even the kids wouldn't raise their hands unless they're being silly. That All of us, we all mess up. So here's what I want us to think about as we have this whole entire story and as we can think about this whole entire story. Here's what I want us to think about. The biggest lesson that we need to learn during the season of Lent, the biggest, most important lesson for all of us to learn during the season of Lent is that repentance is good for the soul. That's why I'm telling you all these stories. The most important lesson for all of us is that repentance is good for the soul because none of us are perfect. Raise your hand if you're perfect. We all mess up. 
And that means that repentance is good for the soul. Now, here's where I want to tie in what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, Jesus said that those who love their life will lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. A lot of times we read that text and we're kind of like, what? What does that mean? I don't even get what that means. But you know what I think that that means? There are people who love their lives so much that they only care about themselves. They're like that parable with that wealthy man who doesn't want to kill his own animals. He's going to go kill somebody else's beloved sheep instead. They're like King David at that period of time in his life. He's not always like this, but where he only cared about himself. You know, I read an obituary the other day, and it was not a normal obituary. This is the second Sunday I've talked about reading obituaries, isn't it? Okay, I, apparently, I, I don't know what's wrong with your pastor, guys. Apparently, I read obituaries. So I was reading ob an obituary the other day because it went viral. But the reason why is because a daughter wrote an obituary about her husband, not husband, about her, her father. And apparently, her father was a very terrible man. He was abusive to the wives that he married. He was abusive to his children. He was abusive to his animals. He was abusive to everybody. So she wrote this, this uh, obituary, which I think was kind of like a, a form of therapy for her, I'm going to guess, as she was like letting this all out. But it was also a way to say, you know what? Thank God this person's no longer in this world. I'm writing this to let you know, thank God this person is no longer in this world. When we think about people who love their own life, they're the kind of people that they don't care. Oh, I hurt Lori, I don't care. Oh, I hurt her family, oh, I don't care at all. And they're like the people who go through life like a wrecking ball, not caring what they mess up, not caring who they hurt, but only caring about themselves. There are people like that, and people who live like that, Jesus says, if they love their life so much that they don't care about the lies around them, they will lose their life. But those who hate their life, that's an interesting world. I think that people who, who care about the lies of others more than the lies about themselves, they are storing up for themselves salvation. So when Sue walks around the world, not thinking just about herself, but thinking about the people around her and thinking about how what she does affects those around her, when she does that, she stores up for her the joy of salvation. So when we think about that text and when we tie it together with the lesson of repentance, we can learn that as we walk through this life, we are all going to make mistakes. Do you know, I'm probably going to mess up this week. Did you know that? I don't know how. I'm probably going to do it. Hopefully it's no big sin, but I guarantee you I'm going to maybe lose my temper with my kids. I wish it wasn't the case, but you know what? Homeschool is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> I'm going to mess up. I'm going to forget something. Maybe it's something I shouldn't forget. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to sin. How about you guys? We wish. We're not planning on it. We're leaving these doors hoping we're going to be perfect, right? <laughs> but we're not sure. And we might mess up. But when we mess up, friends, do you know what? Do you know what we're supposed to do? It's called repentance. And the season of Lent is all about repentance. When we mess up, when I hurt somebody, it's okay to say, I'm so sorry I hurt you. Help me to do better. When we mess up, when we make mistakes, when we destroy everything, it's okay for us to look and say, how can I rebuild what I broke? Repentance. It's good for the soul. So let's not live life thinking that we're the only ones that matter. But let's live life in a season of repentance. Let's, let's ask God to create in us a clean heart and put a new and right spirit within us. Let's ask God to restore in us the joy of salvation. That is what we need to take with us this week. Restore in us, oh God, the joy of salvation. And let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we turn to you on this day because we confess we've messed up. We confess that we have sinned. We confess that we have, have failed. But we turn to you, not hiding our sins, not covering up our sins, but we turn to you and we ask for forgiveness. We ask for healing, we ask for wholeness, and we ask for you to re restore us with your joy. Pour your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord. Help us to grow and create in us a clean heart. 
And we pray this in every prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and deliver us as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God with our morning offering. You can give online at our website or there's a basket in the back of the sanctuary. And let us pray. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen.
Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Give and take Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your glorious name. Amen. And now go forth with the blessing of God. Go forth with the love of Christ in your heart. Unless you are staying for the annual meeting, then don't go anywhere but take a seat. And if you are online, jump onto Zoom and, Zoom and we will be up and running in just a few minutes. Go forth, be blessed, and be a blessing to all.